Welcome to episode two of the Talking Tenants Top Sales Performance Australia podcast. Real pleasure this week to talk with a decorated Wallabies player who spent 15 years in elite international rugby union at the very top of the game. Tatafu represented Australia 90 times alongside a revered domestic career. He's now forging a career in technology sales with Monday.com. So really interesting to learn about his mindset and the foundations that shaped his career in elite sport and how he's utilizing them to reach uh, top performance in his new craft. Hope you enjoy it. So, so you retired in 2019 and you've transitioned to technology. Firstly, how much do you miss, miss the game? Uh, good question. I actually um, decided to get away from it, but um, I actually officially retired in when COVID first started back in 2020. Um, reason being was um, I thought I did enough uh, in my power and my control to um, not only fight the good fight, but like go as hard as I can. Um, so from there, I actually sort of had a good year off. The reason why was because um, investing so much time into perfecting that craft, um, I've always been a big believer that the amount of investing you make in some area, it's always going to be a downfall of sorts. So um, that's what I went through um, during the course of COVID as well as uh, retiring, really, is just understanding what uh, where could I invest that energy that I had for rugby into another avenue? But at the same time, um, what else was enjoyable from my end um, from the experience itself? So a couple of things um, resonated, which was teamwork, love being part of a team, uh, but also like um, pushing the limits of uh, high performance. Um, so... Uh, understanding that many organisations, particularly in the tech sector, especially when they start from a startup and scaling up to uh, being a big organisation, that's definitely something that sort of uh, ticked the boxes in terms of getting those two requirements um, to sort of carry on with the next career. Um, so tech sales it was because, again, uh, I really enjoyed the uh, camaraderie that I have with the teammates and it seems like uh, after being involved uh, for a year in textiles, there's definitely that similarity as well. But also the expectation to perform at a very high standard. Um, it's, yeah, I think it's all in my DNA to just keep performing constantly and uh, perfectly, but we all know that. Nobody's perfect, so it's always aiming for that perfection. You mentioned perfecting the craft, and I've heard you describe your career, the way you talk about it. You you talk a lot about um, doing the work, putting the effort in, um, being part of a team and adding to it. It sounds like quite a utilitarian approach. And I wanted to find out, when you were in rugby, did you, did you feel like rugby was work or did you feel like it was play? Yeah, definitely more play than work. I mean, the first couple of years, it was work just because um, you needed to build that foundation of whether it was attitude or aptitude. Um, yeah, you just needed to uh, set your own individual foundation in that regard because 
Um, I was pretty much thrown into the deep right from the very start, but at the same time, you could always see it as an opportunity or as a downfall. Um, so, yeah, grabbed that opportunity with both hands. Uh, but, yeah, spent the first couple of years sort of understanding what I could add to the position, not necessarily what the position can do for me. Uh, I sort of was fortunate to see that from a very young age because what I learned from rugby was you've got people of all shapes and sizes that play the game. So why are they able to use their advantage in their specific position, um, X, Y, and Z? And that's sort of the application that I took whilst building that foundation as well. And the reason I ask is I've heard Johnny Wilkinson talk about this a lot and he talks about how when he looks back, he wasn't actually in the moment and enjoying playing the game. There was so much pressure seemingly uh, put upon him by himself. It was if he was going in and grinding and doing the work and getting through it. And it seems like you've obviously, I mean, many peers would as well have that natural um, ability to go in and just push and grind. Did, did you feel like it was pressure or did you feel free and that was just your nature to to work hard? Yeah, good question, John Joe. I think it's a combination of both. Um, so what I mean by that is the, like, the hardness came from the coach sort of uh, making the awareness but it was up to you to see how far you can push that. Um, but in terms of play, um, you definitely had to pick your moments because um, <laughs> so back in 2005 when I made my test debut uh, against England, um, we weren't allowed to sort of go away from the framework. Eddie Jones was the coach, by the way, and, yeah, it's good to see him back. Um but I specifically remember uh, him telling me before the game, listen, mate, this is not park footy. Uh, you've got to go in there, do your job. And focus very hard. Um, my first action um, on the game when I ran on was a flick pass. And I've got a, um, got a picture that is framed. <laughs> um, after the game was finished, um, he comes up to me and goes, what did you think of your performance, mate? I said, oh, I didn't think it was too bad. Too bad. Mate, I told you it wasn't park footy. What are you thinking of doing those one flick passes? <laughs> but um, I get, so this is what I mean by the combination. Like, obviously, the coach has some expectations that uh, required from us, but I felt like in that moment, it was the right thing to do because I actually, I had a defender who was chasing me and the arm that the ball was in was free. So why not give it to the guy closest to me? But I guess uh, coaches always uh, see it differently, and that's fine. But that's where I sort of got the understanding of building the foundation but picking your time to play as well. What did you learn most from Eddie? A uh, couple of things. Um, so... Uh, Training has to be harder than the, the game um, because ultimately uh, when you get to the game, you're not only taking away the, um, the nervousness, you're also taking away or mitigating um, the amount of mistakes that you make on the training field because you just go through the process over and over again. 
Um, yeah, so it was all about the oh, over-preparing is better than under-preparing. Um, but more importantly, I think um, just presenting yourself in a way that is calm but confident. Um, yeah, he really had a vigour in his approach to training, but at the same time, he earned the respect of the guys. So from us as individuals, that was definitely something that we absorbed a lot of from him. I mean, don't get me wrong, he he doesn't mind winding up uh, people every now and then, but uh, I guess that's just what he was brought up with. And, uh, yeah, there's nothing wrong with a bit of banter. Absolutely. And what can you tell me about your own background or foundations that you think instilled you um, these foundations that Eddie and other coaches went and built on that innate drive that you obviously clearly had. How how do you think that came about? How was that built? Oh, definitely trial and error. I think um, there are times that you always question yourself mentally and more than physically, but it got to a point where um, the only way you're going to learn is by doing it. So, I mean, uh, it's what Michael Jordan sort of um, alluded to where um, when his team is counting on him, it's because he missed so many shots before, leading up to it. But when the t- time came, he was ready for it, but also um, made it seem so easy because of the amount of times he put himself under that duress. I think a lot of coaches, what they do well is, from a technical perspective, get those um, basics right. And I think the hardest part is understanding who you're playing with because everyone's got their own individual tendencies. It's always about trying to uh, create that synergy between um, those people. For example, um, I'd always have to work with the starting props or the finish the uh, finishing props. Likewise, uh, if they're starting or finish, because those combinations are totally different and require um, so much time and investment to get the best out of it. So, um, technically, um, the coaches did well in giving us those basics, but it's up to us as well to coach uh, each other what works well. What doesn't work well? What can we improve on? So I think the cycle of the stop, start, keep uh, mentality and um, uh, SSKs, or I'm not sure what uh, uh, in organisations call it, but um, yeah, I think there's a there's always that constant cycle where you're always trying to improve, but there's always a standard to uphold. It's just uh, how far you can push it. So um, yeah, I think my favourite coach would have been Neil McKenzie because he literally um, uh, moneyballed it. Uh, yeah, so basically when I started at Waratahs, um, he said, right, you're starting. But I was scared because, like, I only just rocked up. I was like, why am I starting? And he said, well, let's look at your stats compared to that of Adam Fries, who was my counterpart. So you dominate here. Actually, you dominate in more areas than he does. That's why you're starting. As like, okay, um, yeah. So the the fact that he just made it logical and simple was pretty much like why he was so like a lot of people think. Yeah, sure, he's had a few um, instances, but 
you, ne- you never can take away the um, approach of what he did because um, his job description then was that of a CEO, not a coach, a CEO, looking after the finance, looking after commercial, looking after sponsorships. He, he had to look after it all because that's the pressure he put himself at taking the job description at the time. So, yeah, I learned a lot of uh, business acumen as well. Um, that's what sort of uh, really got me um, favouring him more than uh, any of the other coaches. Interesting. Uh, and that's been evidence you've gone on to do your MBA as well. How important is that Moneyball anecdote analogy that you just talked to? How important has that been in your first year in tech sales? Oh, I mean, uh, data is the new way of improvement, right? And I guess, like, um, for example, uh, understanding objectives and key results of different companies, yeah, uh, it's great to see them shift from an outcome-driven sort of uh, key performance indicator approach because there's many ways to skin a, um, a cat. It's just a matter of how you're doing it. Um, which is where the objectives and key results come through. Uh, but also the initiatives attached to it, I mean, mind-blowing in the sense that um, there's actually a similar analogy in rugby in terms of uh, breaking down to where you want to get to in those different stages. Uh, it's the same approach, although the jargon's quite different. Um, but, yeah, I... In my first year of sales, I've learned quite a bit. Not only the sort of jargon or different like um, ideal customer profiles, but also key roles uh, within an organisation where um, understanding what they do, but also, uh, sorry, from a department perspective, but how does that attribute to what the overarching view of a company um, is striving towards? I think uh, having that sort of theme of, uh, working towards that common goal is definitely a very common approach. Um, the interesting part is sort of seeing how individuals sort of collaborate together. And like the analogy I said with working with different front rowers, I guess it's, yeah, uh, seeing, uh, for example, if you go through the um, journey of a sale, it doesn't just start with the sales rep. It um, starts with an SDR, canning it over, to an account executive, then them closing the sale, then goes through the onboarding process where you have an implementation consultant. Mm. And if they're big enough, they may need a customer success manager just to keep the um, uh, account healthy. And it's like, wow, that's really great to sort of see because there's always room for that constant improvement in certain areas. But sure. where to? That's the challenge. And that's what I love. And internally, in terms of your own career progression, when we go back to that analogy as to, you know, you were um, you had greater data than your peer on the rugby pitch, and that's why you were starting. <clears throat> Can you see how being a top performer in sales, how you moneyball that approach, how to get there, what does that look like? Uh, yeah, uh, at times. But the funny thing is how you adapt as well, understanding that the market just changed recently in the tech sector, mm. I think, uh, yeah, there's got to be a lot of pivots for organisations to understand, right, what's happening now and how can we adjust to it rather than sort of keeping the same approach, uh, yet seeing the results either drop dramatically or just a dip. So 
Yeah, um, I think the the guys that are well, the people that are proactive that can sort of um, pivot very quickly uh, at a better understanding of um, how to sort of play the environment as opposed to play the scenario. Scenarios will be constant, but the environment changes constantly. So it's like um, playing a game here versus playing a game in a higher belt in South Africa where, like, altitude is, like, very, um, yeah, it's very noticeable. So, um, yeah. But at the same time, I think, um, like, the, the approach is still similar. It's just understanding, like, how the companies have uh, adjusted to the changes as well because I guess it's got to be a dietic relationship. Right. So you're saying there's the foundations um, that are same. So to be a top rep, you need to put the amount of calls in. You've got a meeting of customers. But at the very top of that, the best reps are those who can um, – acclimatized to the environment and be able to pivot and really understand those customers the best. That's what makes the best performers. Is that mm. right? Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't just take one person. It takes like um, sort of that collaboration piece to say, right, look, here's where the market's going. I think we need to pivot. So, mm. yeah, it's like uh, good to see our leaders uh, in our senior leadership team adhere to that and also change the game plan uh, from what we had last quarter. So, yeah, it's obviously um, change can be good or bad depending on the individual, but no, I definitely see it for the the better. And what are the key things you think you picked up from rugby that will enable you to be um, or is enabling you to be a top performer in in tech sales? Oh, just communication. I think... um, we can get lost or, uh, in terms of where things are at, in terms of the stages or the cycle. But at the same time, it, like if we lose one, it's like it's not necessarily we lost it. It's what did we learn from it because we can prevent that from happening to other people. Furthermore, um, they could just be going through a phase uh, where we can sort of address them at a later date. So, um yeah, in terms of uh, what I learned from rugby transitioning to sales, everyone's going to knock the ball on at some stage. It's just a matter of what you do next with it. Nice. I like that. Um, <clears throat> and so what does success mean to you now? You've obviously had a um, fantastic career in rugby, um, reached the peak. You start now in tech sales now. If I asked you away from rugby outside that, how do you define what success looks like for Tatafu right now as we as we sit here? Yeah, um, so away, success looks like uh, getting the balance right. I think dedicating a lot of time and a lot of hours of sacrifice from early mornings to late evenings, um, learning the game. I think what matters most are the relationships that I have currently from um, back in my early days, like, pretty fortunate that had a good friend base that not only kept me accountable but kept me real in terms of like hey like it's just a game but life is constant and we're here to um keep you um like very grand not very grounded but like brutally honest uh in a way that they'll tell me if i played a shit game or 
you did something bad or even better is when I'm not present with them. Like I'll be thinking too much about um, what happened in the previous game and that's where they've done a real good job saying, look, dude, let it go. We're here. Let's have some fun. And I can't thank them enough for that um, brutal honesty. Mm. Yeah, fantastic. Do you find that it's... um... I mean, a great positive juxtaposition that you're able to be like that because it's innately you're such a hard worker. You love to get in there. You, just, you mentioned it, working so many hours in the day, but you also manage to take yourself away or take your ego away from, you know, trying to reach lofty success goals that are based on your ego. Do you, do you find that's a really positive outlook that you're not thinking, look, I need to win this game, otherwise I'm worthless. You, as long as you do the work, that's that's what's important. Is that is that fair? Yeah, absolutely fair. I think um, a lot of guys, uh, like where they sort of fall short is um, accepting defeat. Uh, they don't want to accept it is what I'm referring to because mm. they really look hard on themselves of what they could do better. But this is where I'm saying to them, yeah, you could have done better, but you didn't. It's like, what can you do now to make that better at a later date? Right now, um, let's just think about it, but don't give it too much time. Tomorrow, we can start working on it. But for now, let's just be uh, here in this moment. Um, We can be sad. We can just have a few beers. The best thing about rugby was that the... After the game, you'll always meet the opposition, and okay. it's never. And we never talk about the game. Yeah, we right. always we always talk about what we do away from the game. So, for example, like um, in New Zealand, there's a lot of guys that um, love um, chasing pigs, and yeah, it, it's literally like because it's a different environment over there, whereas over here it's quite arid. So. Um, yeah, we we sort of compare like how they capture it versus how we do it over here. Right. Yeah, um, even to the fact that like a lot of guys are really uh, focused on stock markets and whatnot, and sort yeah. of hedging their bets to um, see which uh, stocks go well or not. So, um, and uh, that's where like we're very fortunate in that regard because uh, I'm not sure about other professional sports but whether they do that or not I think can help quite a fair bit because again there's more to life than just a game of sport but it's great like um, so now I've got friends all over the world that I sort of uh, touch base with every like quarter or so but um, so I'm actually going to Rugby World Cup in September and I've uh, caught up with some of my French um uh, compatriots there. Um, one that we used to play for the same club in the UK in Leicester. Leicester, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, no, definitely looking forward to having uh, a few uh, reds with him. I'm sure. You're certainly um, a man of the people and um, somebody that's really present. Um, you're right. It's not, I think it is quite um, unique to rugby, certainly the gentlemen's game that you guys do have such a camaraderie and a bond between between uh, teams. I know that soccer is not like that, um, certainly from when, from when I played. Um, so it's quite, it's quite refreshing to see. Yeah. To hear yeah, about it. Oh, no. But, uh, my question to you, John, can that be changed? 
Yeah, um, it, it could be, I'm sure, but <clears throat> I wouldn't know where. Um, I think um, from being around rugby players, um, whilst I was playing the game, it was pretty um it was pretty clear that that was you guys approaching that you know it was always the gentleman's game and um you guys would always catch up after and the maybe less egos I would say it's pretty clear with you you're such a humble guy and there's a lot more egos in other sports uh for whatever reason so hopefully it can change but I don't know where it would would start that those egos would need to be taken out of the game um in some form and whether that's attached to you know the value they have from a commercial sense why their egos are so big i'm not sure but yeah it'd be great if it was more like rugby in that sense I yeah think. no i mean like i love watching football itself because like it's not easy to sort of try and find space let alone lose your defender mm. so and that's what i love about the game so um yeah hopefully it does in the long run for sure. And um, last one for you, because I know um, a lot of the listeners will be really keen, high, such a high performance as yourself. I want to ask, what does your daily routine look like? That's how you now. now yeah. You're obviously still training a lot. Uh, you're still in great shape. What does that look like? Talk us through it. Uh, so I've only um, just started to build this. Um, as I said, I took a year off, not doing anything, no sport. So... And that's given me, like, um, some good fuel to sort of get back into it. Um, so every morning I wake up at um, 4.45 um, to go to the gym. So in the gym, I sort of break it up. I don't go too intense like I used to do in rugby, but I'd break it up. So um, I'd do, like, two core muscles um, per morning. But then after that gym session, I'd, either jump on, um, like, uh, cardio fitness equipment um, for uh, 40 minutes um, and then come back, get ready, uh, go through some notes, um, but also, yeah, try and listen to a podcast whilst getting ready as well, um, whether it's um, business-orientated or not. Um, yeah, because I'm still learning, like, sort of different um, nuances about uh, the tech sector as well. Um, yeah, uh, so I used to live uh, with my parents and that ate up a lot of time because get, I had to get ready by 8, but now that I'm closer in the city, I don't have to get ready till a bit later. But yeah, get to the office, uh, go through the emails um, yeah. and sort of uh, understanding that. So I've now moved uh, from SDR to BDR where nice. helping the account managers try and grow their accounts. Uh, it's a different sort of approach. So still learning that now because the uh, advantages changed. But good learning curve because as um, as all good organisations, they want to grow, um, but understanding where the opportunity is, mm. is, yeah, is a lot harder. So a bit of time is spent on research through one of my days, uh, but at the same time it's weekly catch-ups with the account managers, but also – our customer success managers. Um, I'm sort of the bridge between them both because uh, at the end of the day, we're, we're the first touch point, um, but I'm making them understand where their accounts are and how we can improve in them. Um, we're trying to aim for um, an exceptional customer experience. So the more we can tie in as a team, the better um, we mm. can get that objective across. But then in the afternoon, um, yeah, I think the finishing time varies. Um, 
sometimes at five, sometimes at six thirty. But that's only because I'll be getting ready for the next day um, yeah. around that time. I then get home, um, try and uh, relax, and yeah, take my mind away either by. So I'm not sure if you heard of this. Um, oh, sorry, camera's a bit blurry. There's a there's a game called Clash of Clans. Um, it's on a mobile it. device. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm still a bit of a geek in that way. Um, <laughs> lo- love uh, playing that game. Um, but that that just gets me to switch off mentally as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, I'll uh, either pick up. Uh, I'm slowly getting back into training now. So uh, a couple of nights a week, I'll uh, go for a bit of a trot with the lads. Um, nice. But, uh, but then um, I'm actually thinking of trying to start jujitsu. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Supposed yeah. to be brilliant for you. Yeah, really mentally yeah. as well as obviously um, mm. physically. Um, very good for you too. Yeah. So yeah, and that'll be the end of the day. And then, like, if I get to bed, I'll sort of run over what's to be expected tomorrow. Um, right. just so I can like hit the ground running. Yeah, amazing. You'll have to catch up with um, Mark on the uh, Jiu-Jitsu because he, he loves it, right? He's a former former athlete in that game, so I'm sure you yeah. guys can catch up on it. Um, yeah. And what's the what's the end goal in terms of tech sales? Do you want to move into you know account exec and then leadership in the long run, or are you picking up some skills and you'll play it by ear and see how you go? What are you thinking? Yeah, good question. Um... No, I do love the journey of like that improvement from mm-hmm. going to each level. Um, and that's sort of been the driver so far. I guess ultimately, um, excuse me. Yeah, I think going through the account executive or account management will be the where you can make the most impact. Um, but yeah, still learning the trade, which is great. Uh, but being fortunate to be involved in more of the whole uh, sales process just to see what it takes, all the different moving parts, and then trying to align uh, getting that sales order across. Yeah, I think uh, it's really enjoyable to sort of see that uh, that process. Uh, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, like I think so. Um, my moonshot will want, I definitely would love to be a, a sales director of sorts. Um, probably for a group of uh, 250 people. Um, I think that's uh, enough to sort of keep your eye close enough to make that impact of um, reaching out to the majority, if not everyone. Yeah, a big job, but um, yeah, your leadership from rugby will certainly come in, and I'm, I'm sure you'd uh, you'd love that role and do really well. And um, I'm sure you'll be a massive hit in sales as you've been in your career. So you've been. Um, uh, really kind of your time. I think, you know, admire what you've done and a lot of the people listening will take loads away in terms of some inspiration and some active um, things they can take away as to uh, what they can do in tech sales on a day-to-day. So thanks very much, Tatafi. We'll, we'll stay close and we're going to be tracking yeah. you throughout. So we'd love to keep checking in and see what's going on. Um, so keep in touch with us, if you will, and, and thank you again for coming on. No, thanks, John. Joe, I just want to say, um, like, I think the best thing about sales is attitude. They could always teach you uh, the nuances of tech. But if you don't have the right attitude to sort of approach it with like a pair of clear eyes, um, yeah, it might be a bit more difficult.